The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, everyone. Before we get started, just a quick Black Friday message. I know every brand out there thinks today is the day to start selling you stuff. And I can't claim that we at the Next Big Idea Club are above all that. But I can claim that the kinds of gifts we offer are of the more illuminating kind. If you've got some smart, curious people on your gift list, have a look at nextbigideaclub.com where you can order them an ongoing book subscription, where they'll get eight books a year chosen by our curators shipped right to their door. It's the best in nonfiction, and it's only a few clicks away. Go to nextbigideaclub.com and use the code DAILY to get a special discount. Thanks. Now here's today's show. LinkedIn presents. If anxiety is found in the digital world, calm is found in the analog. Remember that researchers have found that anxiety is the opposite of calm and that experiencing any level of anxiety leads us to become far less productive. Anxiety shrinks our mind, and finding calm makes us more deliberate, thoughtful, and present, leading us to far greater productivity. Good morning, everyone. It's Friday. This is the Next Big Idea Daily, and I'm your host, Michael Kavnet. Now here's a question for you. What's the key to being more productive? Is it working harder, being more organized? Those can't hurt for sure, but one way to get more done that you may have overlooked is to stay calm. By managing anxiety, slowing down, and treating ourselves gently, we can actually become more focused and engaged and ultimately accomplish more. But in our high-stress lives, that can be easier said than done. In the book, How to Calm Your Mind, Finding Presence and Productivity in Anxious Times, Chris Bailey offers accessible, science-based strategies for maintaining your inner peace. Chris is the best-selling author of the previous books, Hyperfocus and The Productivity Project, and here he is to share some of his big ideas. We should notice how much of our life orbits around dopamine, especially how often we're driven to acquire more and stimulate our mind. As I quickly found in my own journey, dopamine is a neurochemical that's pretty misunderstood. It's often thought of as a pleasure chemical, but the truth is that dopamine supports us in pretty much everything that we do. It even helps us to think logically and creatively. But the chemical also has somewhat of a darker side. It's released in our brain whenever we tend to something stimulating and novel. In fact, the more novel an experience is, the more dopamine that gets released in our brain. Researchers call this our brain's novelty bias. The problem here is that dopamine leads us to feel as though pleasure is on the way. And in this way, the chemical leads us to a sense more of of anticipation than pleasure. And here's the thing. This sense of anticipation propels us forward into distracting ourselves further. In this way, dopamine can create a cycle of distraction. Dopamine begets dopamine, stimulation begets stimulation, and distraction begets distraction. Notice how much of the day you have the desire to stimulate your mind. 
And notice also what you crave more of, especially traditional measures of success, like financial success, power, and accomplishment. There's obviously nothing wrong with having goals and wanting to accomplish more, but this acquisition mentality is typically propelled forward by dopamine. The more of our behavior that's motivated by dopamine, the less present and calm we become. And this can lead us to greater anxiety and less focus when we're not careful. It might sound odd that becoming more driven can make us less productive, but in a lot of cases, because of dopamine, that happens to be true. Conduct a stimulation fast, which is often called a dopamine fast. Now, because dopamine is a neurochemical that is involved in so many of the things we do every day, we can't really fast from dopamine, as people suggest, uh, any more than we can fast from something like carbohydrates on a chemical level. But what we can eliminate and fast from are these empty hits of dopamine that we engage in primarily for the dopamine release itself. We can do this through a stimulation fast. I prefer this term stimulation fast because, again, this more common uh, term dopamine fast is a bit of a misnomer because it's involved in so many of our body and our mind's processes. Now, to conduct a stimulation fast, start by identifying the dopamine-driven activities and distractions you want to weed out of your day. Especially look to the most distracting and threatening sources of distraction that you tend to. The digital news, the websites you refresh, the social media websites you tend to out of habit, and the games on your phone that lead you to waste a good amount of time like Candy Crush and my uh, personal favorite, historically, uh, Subway Surfers. In fact, when I start playing this game, that is a sign to conduct another fast because it means these dopamine-fueled habits have worked their way, weaseled their way, I should say, back into my life. So after you identify what you want to weed out, then identify some well-rounded activities, preferably ones that exist in the analog world rather than the digital one. So you can substitute in these activities for the ones that you wish to replace. So, for example, you can pick up an old musical instrument you haven't touched in a while. You can volunteer. You can read more physical books. And once you've identified some substitute activities, choose a duration for the fast. I prefer a time period of around one month because I find this is enough time for my brain to reset its sensitivity to dopamine. After the fast... Notice what changes. Because dopamine leads us to overstimulate our mind and drives us to distraction while driving us away from calm and towards anxiety, you actually might be quite surprised by the benefits of this particular experiment. It definitely sounds gimmicky, and at the start I resisted doing it for that reason, but it really truly does work. And since conducting my original dopamine fast, I now conduct one every few months or so when I notice that more dopaminergic distraction has creeped, weaseled, as we established, its way back into my life. Understand the six triggers of burnout. Exposure to chronic stress can be costly. 
when we face too much of it in our days, we can become anxious and less calm. And this makes us less focused, present, and even productive. But chronic stress, which is stress that we face repeatedly that doesn't seem to have an end in sight, can also lead us to another devastating condition, burnout. Burnout is a psychological condition that's defined as having three characteristics, and we need all three in order to be fully burnt out. First of all, we need to feel exhausted. Second, we need to feel cynical. And third, we need to feel ineffective, like how we're spending our time and attention and energy doesn't make a difference. If you're feeling just one of these three characteristics, that could be a sign that you're facing too much stress and that you're on your way to being burnt out. Traditionally, burnout has been defined as an occupational phenomenon, something that occurs at work and not at home. These days, of course, when the boundaries of our work and our personal lives have become blurred, stress can come in from any area of our life. But luckily for us, it's relatively easy to zero in on where our work stress comes from. Research points to six areas of our work where work stress tends to metastasize. And if you're feeling any combination of those three burnout attributes, exhausted, cynical, and ineffective or unproductive, these are the six areas of your work that you need to dissect to understand where your stress is coming from. The first trigger of the six is workload. The more work we have on our plate, the more likely we are to burn out. The second is a lack of control. The less control we have over how, when, and where we do our work, the more likely we are, again, to burn out. The third area of our work where stress tends to grow is insufficient reward. The less fairly we're rewarded, the more stress we face from our work, and the more likely, again, we are to burn out. And this can relate to how fairly we're compensated financially, but it also extends to social recognition, where we're either recognized for the contributions that we make or not, and how meaningful we find our work in the first place, how intrinsically rewarding it is. The fourth area stress can grow in is when we don't have a sense of community in our work when we don't feel connected with those who we work closely with, we're more likely to reach a point of burnout. The fifth factor is fairness. We need to be treated fairly relative to others at the office in order to be motivated. And the sixth factor is our values. We find our work more meaningful when we can connect how we're spending our time with what we value on a deeper level. Understanding your values, which I'll talk about a couple points from now, is a great way of uncovering more, not just about what motivates you, but about who you are. Again, if you're feeling some combination of exhausted, cynical, and unproductive at work and beyond, look to those six areas. Workload, lack of control, insufficient reward, community, fairness, and values to dissect what is broken about your work and using whatever level of autonomy you happen to have, which may not be a lot, but we all have a little, uh, you can make a plan to remedy your situation. Remember that we find greater depths of calm in the analog world compared to the digital one. Curiously, The analog and digital worlds influence our state of mind in vastly different ways. 
For starters, the digital world is built around novelty, which means it releases far more dopamine when we tend to it. Compare this with the analog world, which leads us to experience the effects of other neurochemicals that make us feel present, connected with others, and proud. Uh, Chemicals like oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. One way to connect more deeply with the analog world is to break down the activities you do in both worlds. We can do this by making a Venn diagram of sorts uh, of activities we do in each world. In this case, our Venn diagram has two circles, one for our analog-only activities like, I don't know, brushing our teeth and spending time in nature, and another circle for our digital-only activities like checking social media and answering email. Of course, where these two circles overlap, there are activities we can do in both worlds. Uh, Writing, maintaining a to-do list, spending time with people, friends, uh, reading good books, playing games with friends, and consuming news are all examples of things that lie in the middle. Now, one simple rule that I've found helpful for finding more of a balance between these two worlds is this. When I want to do something efficiently, I'll do it in the digital world. And when I want an experience to have meaning, I'll do it in the analog world. Now, this is a simple rule, but it helps me divide up the tasks that I can do in both worlds. Over time, as I've researched these subjects and have started to value calm a lot more, I've brought more of these activities into the analog world. Instead of journaling digitally, I'll sit down with a nice hot cup of coffee and break out a pen and a sheet of paper. Instead of playing a simple game on my phone, Subway Surfers, I'll play a board game with my wife or a group of friends if they're around. Instead of refreshing news in the digital world, I've started to love reading the physical newspaper every morning. If anxiety is found in the digital world, calm is found in the analog. Remember that researchers have found that anxiety is the opposite of calm. And that experiencing any level of anxiety leads us to become far less productive. Anxiety shrinks our mind. And finding calm makes us more deliberate, thoughtful, and present, leading us to far greater productivity. Thank you, Chris. Well, everyone, that's it for the week. I hope you have a calm weekend. And I hope you'll join us next week when I'll have a brand new lineup of big ideas for you. My name's Michael Kovnat. I wrote and produced this week's episodes. Caleb Bissinger edited them. We are proud members of the LinkedIn Podcast Network, and we'll see you Monday.